Our second scripture reading comes from the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, and chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. This is Paul speaking to the church of Galatia about the Holy Spirit. Listen for a word from God. My point is this, heirs, as long as they are minors, are no better than slaves, though they are owners of all the property. But they remain under guardians and trustees until the date set by the Father. So with us, while we were minors, we were enslaved to the elemental spirits of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that they may receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God sent the spirits of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. Live by the spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit, and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you as I warned you before. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit... Let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you are the Spirit that descends upon us, giving us life. Amen. Author George Saunders, at his commencement speech for Syracuse University, begins his speech talking about regrets. He says, what do I regret? Being poor from time to time? Not really. Working really terrible, horrible jobs? No, I, I don't really regret that. Skinny dipping in a river in Sumatra and looking up and seeing 300 monkeys sitting on a pipeline defecating into the river? and getting deathly ill for seven months? No, not even that, he says, do I regret. But here's something I do regret. In the seventh grade, there was a new kid that joined our class. And when she was nervous, which was pretty much all the time, she would chew on a strand of hair. And because of this, she was mostly ignored and occasionally teased. Your hair tastes good, that sort of thing. He says, I could see her hurt. 
I could see the way she felt after being insulted, eyes cast down like she'd been kicked in the gut. And sometimes, he says, he'd see her just hanging alone in her front yard as if afraid to leave it. And then one day, the family moved, and that was it. No tragedy, no big final hazing. One day she was there, and one day she wasn't. End of story. And he says, why do I regret that? Why, after 42 years, am I still thinking about that? He says, you know, relative to most other kids, I was actually pretty nice to her. I would never tease her. I, in fact, mildly defended her every once in a while, but still, it holds him. And so he says, here's what I know to be true, although it's a little corny, I don't know, quite know how to say it any other way. What I regret most in my life are failures of kindness. And so he'll go on to tell the graduates of Syracuse that kindness is incredibly difficult, but it's something we work at every day, and it's something we err in the direction of. And though it may be difficult, we make small choices throughout our life to be kind. And this is kind of similar to how I was taught the fruits of the Spirit growing up. That if I knew Jesus, then the fruits of the Spirit should be present in my life. I should work really hard to make sure that I was loving, that I should have joy, that peace should be present in my life, and I should exude patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness. But as a preteen boy, believe it or not, none of those words were ever used to describe me. And so I had a bit of an existential crisis of, am I doing it wrong? Because no one's described me as this, and I feel like I'm trying really hard at it. If these fruits are supposed to be in me, do I work towards them? How are the fruits supposed to manifest themselves in my life? I felt that no matter how hard I tried, in the end, I would experience failure. And I'm sure failure felt inevitable to those first followers of Jesus. In the story, in the beginning of Acts, that Miss Kathy told our children and us, the Christians, these early believers, are trying to figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus without Jesus being there? How are they supposed to act? Where are they supposed to go? What are they supposed to do? And it's in that crisis of character that the Holy Spirit descends and rests upon them, giving them strength, giving them guidance, giving them hope. And on this Holy Pentecost Sunday, we remember the gift of the Holy Spirit, the coming of the triune God to indwell in us, to change us and to move it. The Spirit who is with us as we struggle every day in this thing we call life. So I hate to do it, but I want to disagree with what I was taught. That these fruits are what we're trying, aspiring really hard to be, because that's actually not what Paul is saying in Galatians. He says, no, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are who God is, not you. They are fruits of the Spirit, fruits of God, not fruits of Brett. Fruits not produced by human activity, but by the indwelling of the Spirit of God. And that is what comes forth afterwards. 
And I think this slight but very minor shift is vitally important in our understanding. Because just trying to be really hard to embody the fruits of God will inevitably lead to failure, possibly shame, and a realization that you have not erred toward kindness or love or gentleness. So does that mean we don't have any work to do since these are of God and not of us? Obviously not. There's still much for us to do. Can you think of someone in your life who embodies those fruits, who, who lives out those fruits of love, who joy, peace, self-control? I can, I can think of a few. I can think of a few here in this church. And almost always that person has little disciplines in their life to put them in tune with the spirit, with the divine. There was a young woman I went to college with who just exuded kindness all the time, almost annoyingly so. To be around her was to be at peace. It almost seemed to flow out of her and fill the room that we were all in. And so one day I just point blank asked her, how are you so loving to people? And she told me that she gets up every morning at 5.30 a.m. to pray. And I thought, wow, I'm never going to do that. <laughs> That's just not me. But I believe it was because of that that she was able to live out these fruits in her life. But here is the good news for me and for you. There's no monolithic way to engage with the spirit. To be reached down to touch those lovely aspects of God that already exist in you. So maybe that comes in getting up early in the morning and praying and reading scripture. But maybe it also comes through yoga or meditation or ex exercise that focuses you on the divine. Maybe it's five minutes on your commute to work where you turn off the radio and you sit in silence and you ask those fruits to be evident in your life. Maybe it's just between screams of your child and you only have time for that one deep breath, asking God's love to flow through you because you have nothing left in you. But I will say that whatever little discipline, whatever little act you do, it has to be conscious. Consciously focusing on the spirit that's in you. Because at least for me, if I go through life in the default, if I go through life in the apathetic, if I go through life in my zone out of just getting through, that's when that list of the flesh emerges. That's when I'm anger, or angry. That's when I'm jealous. That's when I'm envious and quarrelsome. When I'm unconscious, when I'm not focusing on the spirit. Because to be aware of the gift of God, the spirit who is in each one of you today, to hold that truth and know that truth that you have been adopted as the child of God, it's the only way I know how to be loving, to have joy, to be patient, to be kind. So let us hold on to the gift of Pentecost, the gift of the spirit the gift of the fruit which indwells with each one of us that is wa there waiting for us to meditate on, 
to hold so it can blossom in our life and touch those around us. Thanks be to God for that. Amen.